0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist Emmett Cohen. He just released 2017's Master's Legacy with Jimmy Cobb and has great stories about working with the drum master. He started on the keys at the age of three and would go on to become an alumnus of the Young Arts Foundation that is... In the business of creative writing, theater, dance, visual arts, cinematography, music, voice, and jazz, he learned a lot there. He also has a master's degree from the Manhattan School of Music, and amongst many other things these days, he is the leader of the Emmett Cohen Trio. So get to know this deeply inquisitive cat and dig this interview, my friends.
1: Let me get an idea. This is kind of a dual question. I want to know what's going on with you lately, but I really dig your 2017 album. Master's Legacy with Jimmy Cobb. It's a great listen. So talk to me about this album and kind of what's been going on with you lately.
2: I think that, uh, you know, something that's very important that's overlooked in, in, uh, in, in history and also, in, in, you know, from the younger generation is seeking out the knowledge um, of the older generation. So, you know, you look around what's going on in the country now, it's, you know, people, um, people didn't, didn't really learn the lessons from the past, I don't think. Yeah, um, um, and I think that's one of the most important things that jazz teaches us is, um, you know, the rich history and the rich tradition and all the things that uh, the jazz masters, like you know, even someone like Charlie Parker, where he's you from, you know, what, what he sacrificed and and what he went through and how he struggled and how that affected his music um, and his creativity and and how it that thrived in the time that he lived in, and then you know, trying to understand that. And then help us to um, to do the same in our time period, whatever that means um, for us. So, you know, I decided that there's this huge generational gap, you know, between the jazz masters and and the people in my generation. You know, I'm, I'm in my 20s, um, and I decided that uh, that I was going to take on a, a large-scale project to try to shrink some of that and try to bridge that gap and uh, focus on the intergenerational transference of knowledge um between the jazz masters and and each of the generations um so i have known jimmy cobb for a little while and i contacted him and asked him if he'd like to do a record and the project and an interview and and in the process um, i really got to know him as a human being and uh, he, he's almost become like a grandfather to me you know we live in harlem he lives just a few blocks away. and Sometimes we'll go out to lunch and talk about music, or you know, he'll talk about um, Miles Davis or playing with Billie Holiday, Charlie Parker. Um, you know, this is this this is information that you can't. It's a feeling you can't get from a book or a documentary or or you know, it's it's, it's really something you get just from um, from from person to person. You know, this is an oral tradition, and so we we got together and we made a record. And I try to feature some of the music he's played in the past and compose a little bit for him um, and, uh, and celebrate, you know, this man, Jimmy Cobb.
1: You know, it's interesting. I had the pleasure and honor of interviewing him at one point. I remember asking him about Kind of Blue, which he's gotten that question a million times. And his response was, we had no idea what we were doing. We just got into a room. Miles expected things out of all of us we were all there for a reason and we were at the top of our game and we just made an album. And that's the thing I think that always blows me away because that's the seminal album. That's the one that clicked on every jazz light switch in the universe in that proverbial way. And for a guy like Jimmy that was in that room to just kind of have that feeling that it was just, it was, it was a day man, you know, and it turned into magic, you know? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think that's, that's part of like, that's part of what i'm talking about it's it's you don't really see history going in the moment you know you, you it's hard to 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 zoom out when you're in it and say okay what is this going to mean for our time you know they also didn't really have a choice you know miles was the band leader if they wanted to plan the session then you know they showed us for the session and took the offer if not then you get somebody else um and you know that affected all of the other opportunities that he had at the time and and uh, you know it's 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 just a time that that it was in and miles you know had a had a broader vision um for sound and he, he was a producer you know um especially you know later in his in his career um he would you know pick the great musicians and pair them together and put the, put bands together um in such a way that it would you know create a new feeling and a new style and a
1: new energy and a new excitement you know yeah. Absolutely. It was a beautiful time. The one thing about your life is you started out on the keys at three. You're no stranger to the piano. But I didn't see where you were born and raised. Um,
2: well, I was born in Miami, Florida. Um, started playing early Suzuki piano down, down there. And at age 11, um, I moved to New York, or New Jersey, actually, rather. Um, but right outside of New York City in Montclair, New Jersey. So I was around the metropolitan area. Started studying uh, classical piano. Well, I had, I had been taking classical piano, but I started studying uh, more seriously at the Manhattan School of Music. Uh, they have a pre-college division, so I took every Saturday um, from uh, from age 12 to 18. Um, went, went there and, and, and took classical piano lessons, and uh, you know, discovered jazz uh, on a similar path, uh, you know, parallel to to the classical music. After uh, my father took me to see. Uh, great pianists like Monty Alexander or Ahmad Jamal or you know Ray Charles, Jimmy Smith. Um, I got the chance to see a lot of uh, a lot of really great pianists, Marcus Roberts, and uh, you know something I was really interested in and, and started to explore.
1: You know, you've you've been at this for a long time. You obviously have seen some great performers in your life, learned a lot of things, just probably from just being on the piano bench and doing your thing, but you have also have a master's degree from the Manhattan School, a bachelor's from Miami's Frost School. What, do you, what have you learned in a formal environment? What, what, what has the formal environment taught you about music?
2: Um, well, you know, you pick up bits and pieces from, from everyone. I think the, the most important, the, a couple of really important things about formal education, one, it is the people you're surrounded with um, so you know a large part of your education is is the other students that are in class with you that are that are around you um, that are older than you you know when i was in an, an undergrad at university of miami there were grad students that had been doing this 10 years more than me that i had a chance to be around and, and 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 learn from and learn from their experiences also teachers you know you have to find a teacher that you really connect with um and that uh, you can learn from. I was lucky at the University of Miami to have a teacher and a mentor his name is Shelley Berg and he's a great pianist and uh, a great teacher and and a great mentor and uh you know I, I say there's there's not really such thing as a good teacher and a bad teacher it's just you know who you connect with and who inspires you to work and who 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 understands you and uh who's who provides that giant mirror for you to look in, into and see yourself and see how you can grow and change um, and develop, um, so he was a really great teacher. I think you know formal education is all about finding you know one or two or three great teachers who you connect with and who inspire you and who might even be able to provide connections or 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 work in the real world when uh, when the when the formal education is done um, so I graduated from University of Miami and I uh, applied to go to the Manhattan School of Music um, where I had gone to pre-college um, as, a, as a teenager and uh, I w- went to get my master's there and that was another lesson because I was around people like Dave Liebman um, and, and uh, you know, just really submerged in the New York scene. So for me, that education was more about the location. So I was out every night, you know, checking out music, you know, seeing how it related to stuff in school. Um, but, you know, you have, to, you have to make choices. There's not time to study everything. There's not time to learn, um, you know, learn about all the things that may interest you. So, you know, another great lesson you learn in in an uh, informal situation is discipline and, and how to make those choices for yourself, you know, based on what's important and what's important to you and what interests you and, and uh, what you see your path to being.
1: What jazz albums in your life and your education and, and becoming a jazz musician were really huge for you that taught you a lot that you loved?
2: Um, well, I've listened to a lot of music. Um, when I first got started, um, uh, I was playing clarinet and, and saxophone in middle school and trying to figure out Charlie Parker solos and Sonny Stitt solos. And, you know, bebop really, really spoke to me. Uh, those guys, Bud Powell, Thelonious Monk, um, trying to understand that language and how um, and how it fit together, it was like a big puzzle um, to me. And I really tried to to get inside that. And as as I, I as I grew, um, as I grew, uh, I started expanding out and you know saying, okay, who, you know, who did Bud Powell and 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 Thelonious Monk uh, influence? Well, they influenced Barry Harris and they influenced Cedar Walton. These are guys I got to. I got to go and I got to see. Um, so then I, you know, checking those guys out. But who who influenced Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell? Okay, that was Satch Weaver, Willie Lyon Smith, Art Tatum, James P. Johnson, Jelly Roll Morton, um, Earl Father Hines. Uh, so you know, going 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 back in the lineage. Um, that's his piano too. We can we can we can go go uh, other instruments. You know, Lionel Hanson, Duke Ellington, his his orchestra, Lester Young, Coleman Hawkins. These are the guys that influenced um Charlie Parker and, and Bud Powell and, and you know my first loves um you know Oscar Peterson uh, got me into into it with the clarity and the feeling and the joy in his music um you know figuring out who he liked he loved Art Tatum he loved Hank Jones um so I think you know for me it's like this giant puzzle and giant timeline um that I you know that I've checked out um you know, close to all of the all the great pianists and all the great musicians um, of the time. Obviously, I left so many out, you know, doing that for each of the instruments and really um, getting inside uh, everyone's unique personality and learning about their lives, you know, helps you to learn about choices um, and what kind of choices these men made musically and personally and what they were doing in, in their time period, you know, a lot of them during the Depression, a lot of them during World War One or two, um, you know, it's really um, it's really a complete study um, of history, and, and uh, I find that a lot of times, especially in jazz, uh, people disregard a lot of that history, whereas in, in art history or study of architecture or dance or film you know people really get into the history and why people made certain choices and so i try to treat you know our art form like that like a complete study of of history and then you know basically the further back you go in the past to uh to to learn to to see how things develop ultimately the farther in the future you'll be able to push it so that's that's my belief and uh you know it's been more of a study outside of outside of uh, outside of formal education, but I know we started talking about albums and stuff like that, but uh, you know I've checked out so much so much music it's hard to pinpoint um, you know one or two albums, but those are some of my favorites starting out.
1: I love the trajectory of where that answer went. It's very true. It's what I try to do try to, what I try to do with Dion Jazz is really put uh jazz in a historical context with history because you yeah, you don't. You know, history tends to be a carousel, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be. It can be a vibrant line going forward, but you have to know where it started and who made that propulsion happen. And uh yeah, so I dig it. Um, speaking of propulsion and art, you were an alumnus of the Young Arts Foundation, which is a very cool set of programs with writing and theater dance visual arts cinematography music voice jazz how big was this in your life
2: it's been really big um you know it's been more than an organization it's, it's actually become family um to me you know i started out as a student in that organization and they put together a conglomerate uh combo uh from high school musicians uh by audition a video submission and uh and i got picked to be in this combo and I was in a wonderful combo with all of the great uh, musicians of my generation. And, and uh, I think that's the most important thing um, that that organization provided early on was, uh, you know, I was in a in a band with these other really great musicians. It was Mark Whitfield Jr. who plays drums. Now it's Kenny Garrett and, and, and Arne Evans and Kurt Rosenwinkel um, on bass is Kate, was Kate Davis who um, is a singer and, a, and a kind of a pop star uh, now, pretty famous. Beautiful voice uh, on saxophone is this man named Adam Larson, who uh, played, uh, was play made, made four albums already. We went to got to get our masters together, and he's out there doing everything. It's Benny Benack on trumpet, who I'm still really good friends with, and um, who's playing with Christian McBride and all. All these different people, and this guitarist named Armand Hirsch, uh, who toured the world, Bobby McFerrin, and played in Hank Jones's last band. Uh, so, it, it, you know, what it really does is it takes um, all of the great artists. You know, that's just jazz, but it's you know all the different disciplines of art and uh, put 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 everyone together. And I think you know, together people come up with greater ideas and greater development and growth than than on their own. So. That's what it did for me as, in my formative years. It took me and put me around all of these people. Since then I've been, I've turned, uh, you know, turned the corner and started teaching and curating, uh, weeks for, for the students. So I'll put, I'll put together, you know, the week for the young students now sometimes and, you know, take them to the recording studio, something I wish we got to do, or bring them around Jimmy Heath or Barry Harris, uh, just came down to Miami last Uh, last season, and spend a day with the students, and, um, you know, just to be around the Jazz Masters, and, and, uh, you know, create this opportunity for them, and direct uh, shows with creative writers, and musicians, and cinematographers, and so it's really, you know, just a really great outlet for creativity.
1: You know, over your career, you have your trio, you've uh, done a lot of work with a lot of people, like Kurt Elling, and Billy Harb, we talked about, um, you know, Jimmy Heath, and there's all kinds of things that are constantly going on with you musically. How do you feel about your career where you're at today? What you've done, who you've played with, and, and just your general vibe.
2: Well, I mean, I consider myself extremely lucky in totally honest, candid candid way. I mean, you know, there's not that many opportunities out there. And uh, I've had a chance to play with so many great musicians in my generation and each generation uh, we're making a record with Ron Carter for for Volume Two um, of the Masters Legacy series, and that'll be taking place in in uh, Vancouver in June. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I've been uh, asked to join a new band by Christian McBride, uh, which is just uh, piano, bass, and guitar in the style of Nat King Cole and Ahmad Jamal, Oscar Peterson. So. Um, Really looking forward to that we start uh, rehearsal in about a week for that, so I've been writing music and stuff you know for the new band. Um, so you know, I have so many things going on all the time and and i've I've had been really lucky to to also have my own trio and you know write for that and grow that and and been touring that lately. Uh, so you know it's it's hard work and you have to be diligent about it every day. Um, but I'm extremely lucky, and I feel great about about everything that's going on.
1: And being lucky and with all these opportunities that translated into awards and fellowships, and you've, you've, there's the list is pretty long of things that you've been awarded, fellowships for the Cole Porter, uh, Thelonious Monk, Piano Competition in 2011. Was there an award that you got that surprised you the most, not your favorite one, but one that you got that you were like, wow, I didn't see that coming?
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't know. If uh, there's such a surprising award, you know all those competitions are very nerve-wracking, and I've done a lot of them, and they all kind of blend together in a weird way. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'd say for all the teaching I do, you know, college really comes up heavy. You know, I, you know, getting scholarships to go to school that's the, that's the biggest award you could get. Um, you know, it may cost you a hundred and forty thousand dollars or something like that to go to school for four years. And even more, if you want a higher ed degree, um, I feel like you know the, the, the most important award I, I got was you know scholarships to go to school, um, because that's you know that's really the the biggest encouragement and the, the largest breeding um, ground for for a young musician growing in this time. Um, so definitely those uh, you know awards. You know, I, I think of awards as opportunities too and, you know, opportunities to play with guys like Kurt Elling or Christian McBride or Jimmy Heath or, or Ron Carter um, or alongside Barry Harris, you know, those 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 that to me is the biggest award that uh, that I can get. You know, all the competitions are cool, but they blend together at the end of the day.
1: So you mentioned seeing Lonnie Alexander in some really good shows throughout your life, but if you could get kind of fantastical and get into a time machine and go back in time and see a show, where would you go? Who would you want to see?
2: That's, you know, that's such a loaded question. You can take this in so many directions. It might be really cool to, to go see, uh, you know, uh, a sacred Palestrina concert or, uh, you know, a huge choir in, in, in the medieval times or watch Bach play or watch Liszt play um, classical piano um, or... You know, as far as jazz goes, uh, you know, get to see Louis Armstrong play the trumpet and get to feel his, his energy in person. Um, you know, it's, it's something I, I haven't got to see. I haven't gotten to see Louis Armstrong or, or, or John Coltrane or Cannonball or, um, you know, any of these guys with, with huge uh, presence and personalities. Uh, it's one thing to watch videos and one thing to listen to it on record. You know, guys like Roy Eldridge, Dizzy Gillespie. Um I'd love to, to experience some of them in person, but if I if it had to be narrowed down to one, um, I would say Louis Armstrong because he was the first pioneer um uh after Jelly Roll Morton, really, um, of of the idiom and the art form and, and uh he was the first uh first true original, you know. Absolutely.
1: So why do you love jazz?
2: Well, I think it's something that that's that, that has endless possibility, um, and it's something that can also teach you how to live other parts of your life. Um, I, and I think that's something that you know that, that people who don't understand jazz haven't haven't figured out yet, or think they don't understand jazz. That you know the lessons that you learn um, uh, in jazz, at least for me, anyway, I can only speak you know from my personal standpoint. Um, the lessons that it teaches you are, are respect um, humility, the ability to work with others um, you know it teaches you about emotions it teaches you about you know happiness and joy, but it also teaches you about you know dark times and and uh, and it gets gets you into all those moods and I think one of the great lessons learned from um, the masters like uh, like Roy Eldridge or dizzy or or Duke Ellington or uh, Wayne Short or any of those guys that, you, you know, if you listen carefully to their recordings or, or to them play, um, you get this feeling of hope. Um, and I think that is one of the great messages of jazz, you know, love and, and hope. And, you know, those things are, are infinite. And, you know, the message of jazz, you know, when you listen to Louis Armstrong play, you know, as, as you know, all this stuff is going on, And you know the the blues. He's playing the blues, and it's it's it can be sad, um, but you know at the end of the day the message is things are going to be all right. You know that's that's jazz has helped a lot of people um, in a lot of different time periods get through um, hard times, get through uh, whatever it is they're they're dealing with. And I think for me that's why I love it so much because you know. It's 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 a it's as it's very powerful and very spiritual, and uh, you know people turn to it uh, in in their in their hard times like they would turn to religion or like they would turn to you know family or you know it's it's always going to be there for you and I always used to go to Dizzy's Club and hear this, uh, hear, hear this guy named Todd Barkin he said if, if you if you take care of the music the music will take care of you. And uh, it's, it's, I found that to be true thus far.
1: Perfect. So everything comes down to this. Everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, uh, those that uh, watch you live, that buy your music. But it, at the end of the day, when you wake up and you face the world, who do you think you are?
2: That's a difficult question. You know, you, you, you're always perceived in a certain way and you, you always think of yourself in a certain way. But, you know, I, I think that this music is uh, one of the other things I, that I didn't mention before is that it teaches you um, how to focus on other people. And part of, part of the way that, that I conceive music um, is, is largely thinking about other people. Um, and I think that's one of the great gifts that it also teaches you. And, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, you know, how do I sound? How, you know, what, what am I playing? What, what is this piece I wrote? Um, but once you start to kind of let go of the I part of it and start thinking, you know, how what, what can I play to make everyone else sound better, or what can you know? What is this audience going to want to hear? What what will what will uplift them? What will make them forget about all the hardships they went through in their day or their week? Um, how can I you know take them out of that for a minute and show them you know this alternate world? Um, and so I think of myself as someone that's able to affect others, um, in a positive way and, you know, just try to make the world a little bit of a better place, uh, each and every day through my actions and my music.
1: Beautiful. I love that. That's a great way to leave everything off. Emmett, thank you for (laughs) taking some time opening up about your music and your world. I appreciate it, man.
2: Hey, thank you very much. All Stay in touch and I hope to see you soon.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Emmett for his time, honesty, and all of those great stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. on jazz.